Welcome to this week's energy show. Rooftop solar is getting pretty cheap now. A quick back-of-the-envelope calculation for you homeowners um, is going to show how, how cost-effective solar is right now. So here's, here's some numbers. I'm going to throw these at you and make some notes, you know, back up, listen to the show again. The average cost of a system is about $3.5 a watt or about $2.5 a watt after the investment tax credit. So $2.5 a watt in a 5,000-watt system, that's about $12,500 total for a solar system. And that system is going to generate, here in the, the Bay Area, about 1.5 kilowatt hours over 25 years. 1.5 kilowatt hours per watt of capacity. So just summarizing, running through the numbers, $2.5 a watt divided by 1.5 divided by 25 years, that works out to a cost of electricity from a rooftop solar system that you have in your house for less than seven cents a kilowatt hour. Now, anybody who's looked at their electric bill in the last 25 years knows they pay a hell of a lot more than seven cents a kilowatt hour. So solar's real cost effective. I looked at my most recent bill. I'm at 34 cents a kilowatt hour. That's the top tier rate. Average rate in California is 20. So pretty darn cost effective on 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 a monthly basis. Now, Let's look at it another way. That typical 5,000-watt system will cost you about $12,500. And you're going to save annually about $2,500. So $12,500 divided by $2,500, that's a five-year payback. So summarizing it, it's three times cheaper in terms of the rate you pay for electricity if you own your own electricity generating system on your roof than if you buy from the utility. And you get a payback in five years. So from a financial standpoint, that's a 20% return on investment. There is nothing you can get, nothing you can buy that's going to give you a 20% return on investment. It's terrific. And that's after tax, too. I mean, heck, put, leave your money in the bank, you get 2%. Stock market, maybe 6 to 8% over a long-term period, and you're going to have to pay tax on that. Solar, 20% ROI. You can get this for no money down. Terrific. So that, that's great for homeowners. It's great for businesses. But how about from your local utility? Well, it's not good for them because now you can buy your own electricity for a lot less. Not good for your fossil fuel energy company, your electric, your, your gas company, your oil company, your coal company. So what do they do? They try to make solar more expensive by adding costs and delays to the installations. They try and trick customers, businesses, homeowners, and policymakers, our legislators, into believing that expensive, dirty power and utility-provided power is cheaper and better than solar. They try to change electric rates so that solar customers are penalized, so they want to kind of make your solar rate higher. In the case of utilities, they realize that over 90% of the population likes solar. So they say that solar is really good, but only if it's owned and operated by your friendly local utility. Well, we, we all know that's a lot of baloney. So, they, you know, if they own the solar, there's a lot, you know, it really does help. We're getting a lot of power in the in the U.S. from um, solar plants in the desert and, and, you know, remote plants. The thing you've got to remember is we're not saving any money on that. The utilities make a good profit on that. They're not giving us cheaper electricity because they're running from solar. In fact, it's the opposite. They're charging more for that solar, whereas if you had that own solar, you, you would really, really be saving. So the biggest trick that these utilities and fossil fuel energy companies are doing is they're creating lobbying groups and they're creating advertising that's deceptive to customers. They try and trick customers and trick government officials into thinking that old-fashioned utilities and and fossil fuel power is better when it's in fact the absolute um, opposite. So this week, 
We're going to talk a little bit about who some of these groups are and how they're trying to trick people into believing that their polluting, old-fashioned, centralized power sources are better than rooftop solar. So some of these groups, I'm just going to throw them out there, ClearPath, EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute, ALEC, the American Legislative Council, the American Energy Alliance. These things sound really great. Partnership for Affordable Clean Energy. You know, there's a partnership and we're all going to get cheaper energy. The Consumer Energy Alliance. Yes for One on the Sun. The 60 Plus Association. Consumers for Smart Solar. These are all front groups or, or research institutes that are really trying to basically deceive us. Uh, on the other side, we have a lot of solar and clean energy groups that are lobbying for good policies, whether it's on the state or federal level, for clean energy and solar. Solar Energy Industries Association. There's state solar energy associations like here in California, the California Solar Energy Association. There's a group called the ASIS, American Solar Energy Society. And then you've got the, the typical environmental groups that are lobbying for lots of things. And obviously solar and wind are some of them like NRDC and Sierra Club. You know, I, I like to think that these solar groups are objective. And the reality is that, you know, sometimes they may be, they're, they're obviously a little bit biased. But so, so first, let's try and get a handle on, on who's right. Is it the solar energy, clean energy groups? Are they absolutely right? Or is it the fossil fuel utility groups? Who's right? So... The biggest question for rooftop solar is whether or not this thing called net metering is a fair way to compensate solar customers and other ratepayers. You know, is it is it reasonable? Is it fair? So to review, net metering is a rate plan in which you run your electric meter backwards, essentially selling your surplus energy back to the utility at the retail rate. So you know, in the day, you may not be home sun's out, and you're generating all this extra electricity. You don't need it in your business or your house. Um, you know, at home, nobody's there. So the, the, the electric meter just goes down. The numbers go down. And you're selling that power back at the retail rate. And then when you come home at night, you've sold all this power to the utility, and then you start using power back, and you're buying it back from them at, at you know, either the same or a different rate. So that's net metering. Super elegant, simple. It's fair. It works with all electrical equipment. It works with almost all meters or very, very slight change to the meter that can be changed remotely. And it's, it's been in place for 20 years, and it's, it's really made it easy for solar customers to understand how they're going to save money. And so, you know, essentially what net metering is, is the way we used to do it in the solar industry, is we would have batteries. During the day, you'd store your power in the batteries. At night, you'd drain the batteries. Very expensive. There's round-trip losses in, in storing energy and then discharging the batteries, and you got to buy the batteries, and they only last for five or ten years. Whereas net metering is essentially an accounting method, an elegant way of just accounting for that power that you're not using and, and buying back later. So... As we've discussed, these utilities lose revenues and claim that they have to raise rates to maintain their profits. So, you know, it's like, don't cry for me, Argentina. It's really too bad that there's new technology out there that allows your customers to get your product cheaper than the way you're selling it. Now, the thing is, in ordinary businesses, if that happened to any ordinary business, they would just go out of business. But utilities are a monopoly, and they have the government-mandated right to maintain high profits and keep competitive uh, competitive products, in this case, uh, rooftop solar, away from the market. So they're complaining that they're not able to maintain their profits. And that, that's kind of the, the root of the problem. The way they phrase it is they're saying, well, if solar customers are kind of not buying as much electricity from us and we're not making as much money from them because they can get our product a lot less for a lot less money, then we have to raise the rates. 
for all the non-solar customers. So the people who don't have solar, for whatever reason, sometimes they can't afford it, sometimes they may live in the shade, sometimes they might be in an apartment. Th- these customers, these poor customers, now have to pay more money for our service because we're not able to make as much profit from the customers that left. Now, this is called cost shifting. And really, the utility costs are shifted from sol- some solar customers to non-solar customers. And this is a, a, a real thing, but it's fundamentally a flawed argument because it's simply a change in the technology. And, you know, from, from any other normal business perspective, a business, any utilities a business, they're owned by stockholders, they should not be allowed to protect their monopoly when there's a better product out there. But the utilities have been pretty successful in convincing public utilities commissions, you know, they've got the PUCs in all the states, that net metering is a net cost to the electrical system. And they are just making these arguments for years and years and years. And now they're really organizing to be more effective for that. The conclusion is wrong when you look at all the tangible benefits. And we're going to talk about those studies in a minute. Now, I mentioned that there's a lot of studies on net metering. And the utilities studies show, and they commission a study that shows that net metering is really bad for ratepayers in general. The poor customers who don't have solar are, are suffering and their electricity goes up and it's a benefit for the customers that do have solar. And the Nevada Public Utilities Commission you know, looked at these studies that, that the utilities did and they also ignored studies that they did internally that, that showed net metering was bad. So they raised the rates for solar customers. They made solar not cost effective. They said, if you want to get solar, we're not going to reimburse you at the, the retail rate. We're going to reimburse you at the wholesale rate. So instead of getting to run your meter backwards at 12 or 15 cents a kilowatt hour, it's like a nickel. The, the numbers don't work out. Now, on the other hand, candidly, the solar industry studies have always shown that net metering is net neutral or a benefit. And, and there's lots and lots of states in these arguments, um, you know, initially before the utilities really started getting biased studies out there, these arguments always initially worked out well so that um, the, the public utilities commissions continued and expanded the net metering policies. Although sometimes, like here in California, at, at slightly less beneficial rates. And California had a, a pretty good settlement earlier this year where they said, we're not going to reimburse at the full net metering rate. We're going to um, take a few pennies off to pay for transmission and distribution costs. That, that's, that's fair. That's right. So the big question, if I take a step back, is saying, all right, who's right? Are the utilities right and the fossil fuel companies right that solar's bad and net metering's unfair? Or is the solar industry right that, that net metering's the way to go? So it's interesting. Just, uh, just recently, the Brookings Institute, which is a nonpartisan research institute, did something called a meta-study. They didn't really study net metering. They studied all the other studies about net metering. And there's dozens and dozens of these studies that have been done. Now, the studies have been done by the utilities and by the solar industry and other parties. And what they did is they only studied research that were done by public utilities commissions, by national labs, and academics. So theoretically, they tried to look at studies that were objective, that weren't biased by industry, solar, or, or utility industry. And here's what they found when they studied all this accumulated research. What they found is that in almost every single case, and there were a few outliers, net metering benefits all ratepayers when all the costs and benefits are accounted for. The, so n- essentially the economic benefits of net metering actually outweigh 
the costs and impose, this is really important, impose no significant cost increases for non-solar customers. And one of the, one of the things that, that, that these more objective studies did by academics and public utility commissions and national labs is that they looked at some of the um, very tangible, specific environmental benefits. They didn't just look at what happened uh, on the utility ledger. They also looked at how it was improving jobs, improving the economy, improving environmental situation. And these things are very easy to count, and it's very, very standard. So what they found is that, you know, that metering actually is n- uh, neutral or positive. That means that this whole issue of cost shifting is a red herring. It's not true. It's just a way for the utilities to maintain their profits. So this is a really important finding because the utilities commissions around the country, the legislatures who are looking at what new net metering rules should be, should really look at net metering as a benefit and not um, listen to the groups that are saying that, oh, this is really bad for, for homeowners and businesses. Okay. So that's, that's my view. And, you know, gee, I, I like this study because it um, actually confirms my experience and it confirms my numbers and it confirms what I'm seeing in the real world. And hopefully this kind of a study is going to be more widely accepted. So let's get back to some of those devious, sneaky, lying groups who are trying to convince everyone that solar and net metering and generating your own power is bad. I mentioned who some of them, them are. So let's just kind of I'm just going to kind of dive into what some of these groups are called and how they operate. I mentioned uh, ClearPath. That was that, that's called that's a conservative clean energy group. So this is a I mean, that's kind of like a Republican uh, focused group, and they're looking for what a clear path is towards you know clean energy. Now, they prefer and and they're promoting natural gas. And you know we we talked about natural gas. It's 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 a pretty good option until we have more renewables. They're also pushing for clean coal. And nuclear, and we've done shows on clean coal and nuclear, and, you know, just in a nutshell, there's no such thing as clean, cheap coal. You can make power from coal cleanly, but it's going to cost you a heck of a lot more because it's so expensive to clean up all the emissions from burning coal. Coal is just really a dirty fuel. So you have to use like half of your electricity generated just to clean the crap that's coming out of the the smokestack. So clean coal is an oxy. um, Clean coal works, but clean Cheap coal is an oxymoron, doesn't exist, and I don't think it's ever going to exist because of thermodynamic reasons. Now, nuclear, another option, great idea, great technology. It's just, you know, it's, we're past our prime. I think there's 98 nuclear plants left in the country and, you know, lots of other countries like, oh, you know, in Europe and Japan and Germany, they're just shutting down the nuclear plants because, A, they're worried about disasters, they're worried about the nuclear fuel cycle, that's, you can't, we haven't been able to clean it up, and, and they're worried about the fact that nuclear is really, really expensive. When you look into the life cycle costs of a nuclear plant, it takes 10 years to build, costs $20 billion. Once it's built, it runs for 30, 40, 50 years, and then it takes 50 years to decommission. And in that, that time frame, there's a lot of ways that we can generate cheaper power. So ClearPath, they're, they're really promoting uh, uh, old-fashioned, you know, the last generation or two of, of power. Now, they did an interesting poll, and they found that 72% of Republicans favor clean energy, which is kind of interesting, and 73% of registered voters think climate change is caused by human activity. Now, that's of registered voters. That's not of Republicans. You're going to find more a lot of Republicans who still don't believe in, in uh, climate change com- uh, caused by human activity, but that's a scientific fact. I mean, it's 99.9% of the scientists. Now, um, that's clear path. Now, here's another one the, called EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute. Now, it's always good 
And you can you know, always do this and see, all right, well, who's funding these research groups? It's called Follow the Money. This is a purely utility-sponsored organization that the Electric Power Research Institute is funded by utilities all around the country. And, and they're really not in favor of customer-owned solar. They've published papers and they're kind of looking at this and saying, you know, gee, this is going to be a problem. Now, they do a lot of good research on uh, uh, power transmission and distribution and new technology, but they're really not focusing on, on rooftop solar because that's not consistent with the needs and of the profits of their funders, which are utilities. You put solar on your roof, now you're your own mini utility. You've got solar on your business that can generate all the power your business needs. You're going to be you know, kind of decoupling from your utility. All right, another one, and this is this is kind of a, a very dangerous one. It's called ALEC. It's called the American Legislative Council. And what they do is ALEC creates model legislation for arch-conservative public policies, many, many, many of which are against clean energy. And, and, and you, I'll explain why in a minute. So basically what ALEC does is they create model net metering, model um, uh, net metering legislation or changes to net metering legislation. They'll create model um, energy source legislation for states and, and local governments. And um, it's nice when these governments have a model set of legislation because then some lawyer in, in each state doesn't have to kind of figure this out and draft it up. So Alex just says, hey, this is how you should change your electrical service and this is how we should do solar. And, and they're saying, you know, hey, let's do solar, but only if it's done by the utility. So they've been consistently against rooftop solar, against net metering, against third-party-owned solar, this is leased solar, against renewable portfolio standards. They hate these things. They hate when a state will say, we want to buy 10% of our power from renewable services. They'll, they'll sponsor legislation that says, we want our state to produce 30% of our power from oil that we uh, pump out of the ground, or we want you know 50% clean coal, which is, you know as I said, oxymoron. Now, I mentioned following the money. Alec is supported in, in, in the most part by the Koch brothers. And the Koch brothers, and I'm, you're going to hear me mention them a few times, very, very successful businessmen. I think they run one of the biggest private companies in the world. And it's a fossil fuel company. They have interests in mining and minerals and coal and oil and refining and, and chemical processing. So pure fossil fuels, zero renewables, huge company spending hundreds of millions of dollars every single year on lobbying against fuels and industries that would compete with their own businesses. Obviously, you know, the, the more clean energy we have, the less dirty energy we're going to have to buy from the Koch brothers, and the Koch brothers are the biggest ones in the room. So not a surprise, but that's where the funding for ALEC comes from, and that's where the funding from some of these others. Here's another one, the American Energy Alliance. They're purely for coal, oil, gas, and nuclear. So you hear about the American Energy Alliance, run away, uh, against the renewable portfolio standards, net metering, the clean power plant, and everything else. And they're very, very promoting research that, that's skeptical or countermanding the science about climate change. Once again, funded by the Koch brothers. Here's another one. The Partnership for Affordable Clean Energy. This sounds great, right? We want affordable energy. We want clean energy. It was established by uh, the same lawyer who lobbies for the biggest utility in the South, the Southern Company, and Alabama Power. 
And they, they are running campaigns, anti-solar campaigns, that solar hurts poor people. And they're, they're also supporting another group called Working People for Clean Energy. Once again, they're against net metering. They're against regulations about coal. So they're like, hey, we don't want any regulations about the coal ash and the smoke that pours out of a coal plant. Once again, they're funded by the utilities and they're, they're promoting um, the utility business model. Here's another one. Now we're starting to get devious. The consumers for smart solar. Now, that's something I, I should really, in principle, stand behind. It's another front group, plain and simple. It's funded by Duke Energy, Florida Power and Light, Gulf Power, Tampa Electric, ExxonMobil, and no surprise, the Koch brothers. They want to limit solar in the southeast, particularly in Florida, by preventing solar leasing and power purchase agreements. So they want to eliminate one of the biggest business models that's that's helped the growth of solar, which is third-party ownership solar. Sounds good, and it's really bad. They're actually promoting something called Yes for One on the Sun, which is a ballot initiative in Florida. It sounds like people are going to check off when they vote something that's good for solar. The reality is the amendment's really, really bad for solar because it it, it dramatically increases the cost for third-party-owned solar or makes third-party-owned solar illegal. So they're just trying to confuse people out there. Another one, Consumer Energy Alliance. This is consumers. We want to ally for clean energy. Well, no, it's not ener- it's, it's not clean energy. It's dirty energy. It's, once again, a front group. So watch out for the Consumer Energy Alliance because they're for oil, methane, tar sands, and basically, you know, if I had to summarize it, this is a drill baby drill group. And then, you know, there's, there's one other thing. I'm going to just, you know, th- th- sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. And, and unfortunately, it's a solar organization. It's called the Solar Electric Power Association. This is the utility organization that focuses on solar energy, but only solar energy if it's run by the utilities. So they've done a lot of good over the years to promote solar. They helped uh, create and sponsor Solar Power International Show, which I've always been a participant at. But they're only promoting solar for utility scale, and they're not promoting policies. In fact, they're against policies that are good for rooftop solar. So who are some of the good guys? Well, the biggest good guy is the Solar Energy Industry Association. In full disclosure, I'm on their board of directors. They work really hard for pro-solar policies. They're the ones that were really pushing hard for an extension of the investment tax credit, and that's good for through 2021. That makes solar 30% cheaper. They're also really in favor of net metering and renewable portfolio standards. Now, a lot of these battles happen on the state level, and that's where the state solar energy chapters really kick in. So here we have, um, and the biggest one in the country is the California Solar Energy Association, or CalSIA. They also have strong SIAs chapters in Colorado, Massachusetts, the Washington, D.C. area, Mid-Atlantic, and other states, Hawaii, Florida. And full disclosure, I'm the former president of CalSIA. It's a very, very hardworking group. You know, this is all volunteer, but they're raising money to, to lobby and hire lawyers to, to fight for these things. And they're mostly focused on rooftop solar, not specifically utility-scale solar. So it's a little bit more of a bias towards what's good for you as a homeowner or a business as opposed to what's good for utility wear. They're also working very, very hard on making permitting easier, so we're just reducing the paperwork costs for solar. Another really great organization is called Vote Solar. That's a national lobbying organization. More grassroots, right? They want people to vote for policies that are good for solar. Very simple. It's in the name. Vote for solar. So they're in favor of net metering, rate design, solar permitting. So these are some of the really great organizations that are out there that are, that are working hard in favor of solar and really trying to get the information out against these, <laughs> some of the deceptive organizations that I mentioned. Now, the problem is 
that there's probably, you know, the, all these solar organizations together might have spent 10 or $20 million to lobby for solar and clean energy. Whereas on the other side, hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent, you know, 10 to 1 by, um, by organizations that are against clean energy and really are for maintaining the status quo of, of dirty fossil fuel energy and utility energy. So what should you do? Really maintain a healthy degree of skepticism and, and just kind of think about it on your own. You know, feel free to go to our website or anywhere else to, to learn about it. Fight against rooftop solar is going to continue. And the fight for rooftop solar by organizations like Calci and C and Vote Solar will also continue. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 